Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. It's very nice to see you again. It's nice to see you, Lee Gatiss. To see you nice, Ros. There you go. Maybe that should be <laughs> the new catchphrase uh, for the podcast. So uh, we last had a podcast, I think it was July 2019, and we were not intending to have quite such a long gap. We had a little gap planned for the summer holidays, and then it's ended up being uh, a lot longer than that. Um, so I apologise if you've been missing your uh, Church Society podcast fix every week. We've uh, all been missing it. Well, I mean, I've certainly been missing it, but, uh, you know, one or two people have occasionally asked whether it is ever coming back. So we hope that you're uh, glad to see that it is. And we hope that you're glad to see that it's in a new format. So if you subscribe to the podcast um, in the past, hopefully this has just turned up on your normal podcast provider. And you may not be aware that we are very excitingly also recording it in video uh, on YouTube. So some of you will be are. able to literally see Lee Gators wearing the, the headphones um, of the... Church Society headphones, they're, they're purple in case you haven't noticed there. Exactly, and uh, me in my office. Um, so it will be the same podcast, you uh, can still continue listening to it in audio if that's more convenient uh, for you. I know for a lot of people it's much easier just to have headphones on and listen, you know, while you're doing your government mandated hour of exercise every week or whatever <laughs> it is um but uh we do also have a youtube channel uh we have a number of things on there regular things on there so we thought it'd be great uh to include the podcast as that as well uh so uh it's nice to see i have to remember to you know brush my hair and that kind of thing which i never used to bother with <laughs> <laughs> the old podcast um and as you'll see uh from this episode we are doing something slightly different with the podcast. So previously we used to uh, focus mostly on, on sort of one topic or one interview uh, each week and do that in a bit more depth. And what we're going to try and do with this new podcast is have something that's a bit more newsy, a bit more magazine-y. Um, it's going to be recorded and, and sort of um, broadcast within... Uh, sort of 24 hours rather than being able to kind of build up episodes so hopefully it'll enable us to be a bit more responsive to things which are happening in the news things which are happening in the Church of England and also to um, uh, respond to your uh, thoughts and comments so do get in touch with us if you have things that you think be interesting for us to talk about news items that you'd like to uh, hear our comments on but you know the podcast is not where you're going to get our sort of in-depth analysis uh, of everything in, in carefully thought out detail but um, you know if you want to hear our first thoughts on some <coughs> new thing that's happened whatever um, how do you get in touch with us you can leave a comment uh, on YouTube or on our Facebook page you could tweet us at Church Society or you can always email me ros at churchsociety.org great so well there's one big thing that's been in the news um, fairly continually for the last month or so and so obviously this week's episode um, is going to be thinking about some of the implications of coronavirus and the lockdown and so on um, for the church and I thought we'd start with just some uh, news about what's happening or, or some we're not quite sure about where we're at with all of this this is a time of year Lee isn't it where churches would normally be having APTMs 
and right. those, those are not allowed <clears throat> everybody's very sad obviously <laughs> i'm sure that the annual parochial church meeting the apcm was a highlight of many people's uh, yearly calendar but now unfortunately with the lockdown restrictions here in the uk at the moment that's not going to be possible to hold such meetings um face to face anyway and there uh there is some uh, confusion obviously because some churches will have held theirs before lockdown happened I think that yes. that was possible within the sort of dates that it, it's permitted so some churches have had theirs most churches I think haven't probably those who've done it will feel very smug at this point <laughs> that they got it out of the way before all of the chaos caused by the coronavirus and the restrictions and you know, at, came your, in. So at your APCM you, you're supposed to those of you who <laughs> yeah um, at your APCM, you're supposed to do a number of things. You're supposed to elect your, well, you have a separate meeting, don't you, to elect your church wardens, um, and then you elect your PCC. And one of the things you uh, also do is elect your deanery synod reps. Now, that was going to be quite significant this year, wasn't it? Well, that's right, because later this year, in uh, September, there's going to be a um, general synod election. Uh, and the electors for that are people on the other synods, um, for the laity at least. So this year's deanery synod election was going to be really important. Unfortunately, it's not going to be able to happen. And so uh, if the general synod election does go ahead in September, which I think it probably will, uh, because it's not a physical gathering that has to happen there. It's a sort of remote election done by uh, paper. Uh, then it will probably, I don't think the rules have been announced as yet, but it will probably be beyond the basis of the pre-existing deanery synods um, yes. memberships. I think that's right. Um, I think we started to get some reports that in some dioceses they've, I don't know whether they've formally announced that or at least indicated that that's the plan. And that's certainly what we anticipate happening is that it will be the existing electorate. So people who've been on Deanery Synod from a previous year who will do that. And actually, I was just looking up the regulations for the general synod elections. This year, for the first time, those elections can happen online. Um, so if people are not on the Internet, they can still request a sort of paper ballot form. But my guess is a lot of dioceses this year, therefore, will want to make maximum use of that um permission yes. to, to have those online doing um, it online is good because it enables you to get around the problem of uh, hanging chads and other things like that <laughs> though it does leave us open to uh, hacking from the russians yeah uh, or the chinese who may want to influence deanery synod elections i don't know well general um, synod election. i think you still have to do your deanery synod elections yes. in in person but uh, yeah, they so we need to be vigilant and careful with our antivirus software and such things still. But it's good that we're moving into the 21st century and having the ability to do these elections electronically. I think that's a good thing. Yes, I know. I, I absolutely agree, particularly, you know, lots. Yeah, dioceses are geographically spread out and it's complicated mm. and whatever. Um, the, there is some question um, in the uh, regulations for the general general election. It's to do with who is in the electorate at the point where General Synod is uh, dissolved. And obviously it wasn't dissolved in February because they mm. would anticipate dissolving it in July. And again, yeah. I don't think we yet know what the plan is for July General Synod, whether they will have some kind of meeting, whether that will have to try and happen virtually, whether they're able to do that. So I think there is a lot that's still up in the air. And one of the things that was going to be significant 
is that we were expecting, I think by now, to have had the publication of the Living in Love and Faith report. Now that hasn't been published. Do we have any idea when those resources and that um, debate is going to continue? Well, uh, nothing has been announced as far as I'm aware, uh, as we record about that, though I would anticipate at least a sort of four, five, six month delay. So if the Living in Love and Faith stuff comes out in October, maybe November, that kind of time, that I would not be surprised by that. So um, again, it didn't rely on people being in physical proximity to one another uh, to do that, but they do need to release it at a time when we can actually have a discussion about it and not be so taken up with other things like lockdown. So yeah. I think it will probably be delayed. My guess would be around October, November time that it might come out, but we watch this space um, and see what happens. Yes, and I think it'll be very interesting to see um, as and when it does come out how if most of that discussion does have to take place online rather than in a physical form how much uh, impact that might have on the way that people feel uh, able to talk about it you know, <laughs> it is one of the things we're learning isn't it that online communication is great but it is different um, <clears throat> from in-person communication yes and unfortunately as, as you maybe were indicating there people do seem to feel that it's fine to communicate and engage with people in different ways um, on the internet and social media, particularly different ways than how they would if they had people in front of them. Um, yeah. some, sometimes Christians forget that they're Christians when they're engaging online. Uh, and sometimes we need reminders about gentleness and humility and respect and speaking the truth and those things. So it may, it may be problematic if we're just thinking engaging with the lit stuff over social media and over the airwaves because that that can skew discussions in particular directions and somehow make things more polarized and extreme I think um, that's than they right. often are. I think that's right so I think we should pray that that doesn't happen but it will be very interesting to see. Well let's move on uh, to think about uh, a slightly different issue again uh, relating to the current situation. One of the things that has been quite hard over the last few weeks has been trying to keep up with um, the, the constant changes. You know, yes. first we were supposed to um, meet but stay apart and then we were not allowed to meet at all. And then, you know, and, and the church is having to kind of constantly respond to the latest guidance from the government and the government trying to respond to the latest guidance from the scientists and you know we're, we've all been playing catch up <laughs> one of the things that has come out however that i think a number of people are really quite concerned about is the way that some of the church of england guidance seems to go beyond what government guidance is with respect to clergy being able to continue to do their jobs what just what's the current situation what are clergy permitted to do in their churches are they allowed to conduct uh weddings and funerals for example that was allowed for a while but i don't know if it still is are they allowed to go into their church building just to pray on their own are they allowed to go in to record a service on their own what's the current situation the advice is not to do that even so it's as it's as extreme as that not to go into the church to record live um, live feeds for YouTube from the church building, but to do that at home uh, rather than entering the church building for various reasons. So, you know, you could be spreading the infection if you have it. The government advice is to imagine you've got it, imagine you have coronavirus and act accordingly. 
with right. love towards other people? What would you do if you knew that you had it? And so vicars going into their churches to record a service, even if they're on their own, might be spreading it all over the church um, onto you know, seeds and whatever, uh, which then if you allow other people to come in could also be catching it. So the advice isn't to stay out of the church buildings as public spaces um, and to record things from home. And I mean, I think that's fine, isn't it? I mean, it's disappointing yeah, and sad not to go to your church building, but um, we have, should have no problem with obeying that kind of uh, advice and injunction because we love other people, we care about them. Um, and, you know, proper authority is instructing us in these things. Yes, I think... Be respectful of that. Um, so I think there's a couple of uh, caveats there. I think I'm right in saying people can still do funerals at the graveside, um, but not in the church building. With social right. distancing measures in place, uh, yeah. that, that's still permitted, I think that's right. So two metres apart at the graveside, no hugging um, and that kind of thing for people yes. at the graveside if they're not part of the same household. This is really hard if you're having a funeral or committing someone to the ground their body to the ground um, and you're all there two meters apart oh. and wanting to put your arms around people is very natural at such an occasion yeah very um, difficult and that's that's awful but i i guess i just want to push back on that because you you're talking about submitting the authorities which is right and proper and, and in a situation like this why wouldn't we want to do that the government guidance is that if you um, need to go to your place of work in order to do your job, you can do that. So, for example, I have been working at home since the, the lockdown started. And there are some difficulties that I have working at home. My internet is not very good. My phone is, is not very good. I have no mobile signal at all. So there's some parts of my job, like, for example, recording a podcast, but other things as well that I can't do at home. So today I've come into my office. It's an office building. There's, I don't know, normally 40 or 50 people here. Today, I think there's maybe half a dozen. Um, and that's allowed. It's not just key workers who are allowed to do their job. It's anyone who can't work from home is yes. allowed to do their job. So I guess there is just a sense in which it could feel as though the Church of England guidance is going beyond what the government guidance has suggested with respect to your place of work. Is that right? Yes, there does seem to be a certain level of uh, Episcopal overreach in, the, um, <clears throat> in the, the, the way that the bishops have phrased their guidance. Um, but I think uh, their motives for doing that are good, proper and right. Um, they want to protect their workforce, the clergy, um, from things that, that might happen to them, that, might, that they might catch or that they might be involved in. And they want to protect church goers when we all finally allow back in. Um, and also it helps us to identify with uh, the rest of the population who are having to isolate and to be at home. If we are recording our YouTube or Facebook Live or Zoom or whatever from home, uh, if we're doing that from home because we're identifying with the people that we're trying to serve and the restrictions that they themselves are having to experience. There are, of course, some people who will just want to um, rebel against any regulations or rules or suggestions or advice, especially if it's given by a bishop. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's some people who just want to rebel against anything like that. I mean, I feel it in my heart, because so, we, we have that kind of instinctive pushback against authority in our Western culture at the moment. Mm. 
But I think reflecting on it a bit with the golden rule of love your neighbour as yourself um, and the, the idea that clergy want to identify with their people in order to serve the people will mean that, and also you know, that we won't really care about going into the building as such because particularly as evangelicals, we, the, the idea of that being a particularly sacred space that we must occupy, otherwise we're not truly serving God, is somehow not quite right. We do care about our buildings and they are rain shelters, but they're ones that are important. And having that space in a community is, is vital and, and, and a crucial part of our mission to that community. But it isn't an absolute essential for serving people with the word of God mm. and reaching out to our community and helping them. We need to do that in homes. We need to do that over the, the airwaves uh, and things like that. So I think there's some strange uh, standing on principles going on amongst some people who, who think that the principle involves they must go into their church building. Otherwise, you know, they're not really serving God. They must rebel against their bishop. Otherwise, they're not truly serving God. And I think we need to just reflect on that a little bit. Um, yeah. and think about humility and love for neighbour and respect for authority, even though we may disagree with the way that the bishops and the authorities over us have, have drawn up those rules. They're the ones who will have to answer to God for that. I think and that's we will right. have to answer for how we obey the authorities that God has put over us. So, yes, no, I think that's right. It may be something where, in sort of point of strict canon law, the bishops didn't quite have the authority to to insist on but I'm not sure it's a thing that I would want to be taking the bishops to court over um to insist on my right um to yes. to disobey them in in this matter where you know clearly there's no sense in which the bishops are being motivated by wanting to prevent gospel ministry and you know clearly the motivation is a good one to try and protect people as far as possible well i'd say two things about that firstly about canon law that um canon law is what we're bound to as um clergy in the church of england and by the church of england as a whole and bishops enforce canon law so if there's something in canon law the bishops can enforce that and clergy take an oath of canonical obedience to obey the bishop in all things lawful and honest in whatever is in whatever is in the canons the bishops can enforce if it's not in the canons the bishops can't enforce that and they have no right to particularly but they can give advice and suggestions if the bishop tells me i must put his face on my website that's an advice there's nothing in canon law which requires me to do that i can disobey that yeah. um but if he tells me that for the sake of uh, you know the health and safety of people in the country i mustn't go into my church building um then that's a bit stronger, even though it may not have a basis in Canon B14 yeah. and B14A. Um, I think we'd be foolish not to take that extremely seriously and not to give the impression that we can be, uh, well, that Christianity requires us to be renegades against authority. Um, I think that the New Testament teaches us otherwise. Yeah. And secondly, there are some people who do have a more conspiratorial mindset. And, you know, I, I sympathize with this in many ways. I like this kind of, I like conspiracy films and conspiracy theories that says that the bishops are overreaching in this regard because they do want to ultimately have more control over us uh, in individual dioceses and parishes. Well, I think we'll keep that under advice of most of the bishops. They're motivated by 
love and health and safety concerns here. Um, if the lockdown continues for months and months and months and months, we need, we need to rethink the way that this happens. But in an emergency situation, which is what we're in now, we're not talking about this being the permanent situation. Uh, we're not living in China or something like that. Um, if it becomes a longer term thing, we may need to rethink how these rules and regulations are drawn up and what they say precisely. But in an emergency, do what the authorities tell you. Don't think that you from your little position can understand the big picture that they can see. Even if you think they may be wrong, well, they're the ones who are accountable for that. They will answer to God for it. You'll answer to God for how you obeyed the authorities yeah. he put over you helpful um it's it's slightly disappointing isn't it because actually thinking about how we relate to bishops and um in what situations we obey them was something we were talking about in our yes. regional conferences um, yes. we did manage to have one regional conference uh, yes. back in march in manchester uh, we've had to cancel birmingham and bristol um and it i think it looks likely probably that we will cancel the one that was planned for london as well we do have a recording uh, from Manchester of Lee's talk, which will go online at some point. Um, and there's more discussion in there around what bishops are and their authority and our obedience. So, um, if you- And the whole idea of evangelical leadership. Mm. Um, we don't tend to believe in Episcopal leadership, but what, what do we as evangelicals believe in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, just as we finish, I want us to think perhaps a little bit more positively. Mm. It's, it's hard isn't it when we see so much going on around that is restricted and limited and people going through you know really awful times I and mean, we just talked there briefly about you know a socially distanced funeral and just awful stuff but also there are good things there are lessons that uh, people are learning and lessons that we as a church are learning during this time in lockdown and i think it would be really sad if whenever this comes to an end um we just thought our goal would be to go back to how things were in January. I, I hope the things that, that we've learned as a church that we'd want to continue with about reaching different kinds of uh, people in the community, about ways in which we can serve them, even about ways in which technology could be used uh, more positively going forward. Um, Lee, I don't know whether there are things you've noticed either in your church or that you've heard about going on that you think, yeah, that's a really good thing. We should carry on with that. Well, I've, I've noticed a lot of people have started up daily devotions on YouTube or Facebook Live or something like this and have started tweeting uh, or emailing round their people or uh, in one instance uh, that you, we mentioned on the blog, Chris Moore, uh, actually writing and posting things to people in the congregation um, to help them uh, to have daily devotions and to have some input from the Bible every week. This is great. This is like the recovery of the quiet time. And we're remembering that it's a great thing to actually engage with scripture every day. We've been doing a daily a psalm or a brief reading from the New Testament and just a couple of uh, short prayers on the, the Church Society social media things, which I've been recording here in the Church Society studio. And I think that I've had some great response from people about that, that they love just listening to a psalm, reading a psalm every day. And wow, you could have done that before, of course. Yeah. Um, but people are suddenly rediscovering the joy of doing this daily. And that's, that's interesting. I wouldn't have expected that to be something that came out of uh, this particular um, situation but actually yeah. people are realizing that that's a good thing and I think that's that's wonderful 
I think it's really great, isn't it? I yeah. think one of the things um, there is, you know, there is just a, an increasing awareness of our mortality and our need to be trusting in the Lord in a situation where we have no control. And, it, and it's great if that is really prompting some people to, to rediscover or discover for the first time a daily habit of, of prayer and Bible. Yeah. yeah, you were going to say something else. No, no, I think that's absolutely right. So I, I think I tweeted at one point, you know, are you actually ready to die? Um, yeah. And I think previously, if you'd put that up, uh, something in Western society, people say, how dare you mention death? That's outrageous. How dare you mention that? You know, what are you trying to do, scare us or something? Well, actually, we're reminded, aren't we, by all this, not just that um, uh, we could die at any moment, that we could die of this disease or any other disease uh, or any other number of problems, but um, that we ought not to be prioritising our personal comfort at home with all the food around us that we should want, we would, and all the garden furniture. Well, when the food is difficult to get because you can't get a delivery slot on Asda or yeah. Waitrose or Aldi yeah. or whatever, uh, and when you can't go to the garden centres to get all the lovely furniture and garden things that you want, or whatever it is that you think brings you comfort, you start to prioritise relationships and to realise the lack of relationships that we have, face-to-face -face personal relationships. Well, that is a great thing for us uh, to be yeah. remembering. Really? And hopefully it will lead us to long for church. I mean, I can't wait to get back together with, with my church family um, in person. It'd be hard not to hug everybody and, you know, be wanting yeah. to shake hands everybody because we probably still won't be able to do that But um, for a while. But it yeah. should, it's great to remember that, the physicality of who we are and the great thing it is to be able to gather together with Absolutely. other believers. And, and enjoy uh, communion together as well and everything. I've, I wonder though, um, so some of you will know a few years ago I worked for the Diocese of Litchfield um, in a very peculiar job. Um, my job title was online pastor and it was about building online communities. It wasn't about building an online church but it was about building online communities and producing online resources and so on and I think the diocese had hoped that we would reach lots of teenagers and young people who were sort of into you know snazzy apps and so on but what we actually found was we reached a lot of people who were on the fringes not just on the fringes of church but on the fringes of society people who were disabled people who were housebound people who were um, deaf and blind people in all kinds of complicated messy social family circumstances for whom going to physical church was really hard mm. or impossible and I just wonder if some of what we're doing now, when more and more churches are existing online, is reaching those parts of our communities and our, our congregations. And, you know, I've seen some people be quite dismissive of online church, saying, well, we're not doing real church and we don't want people to get too comfortable and too used to this because they'll all just stop coming. And, you know, I get that. It's really nice to be able to just go to church on your sofa. And, you know, the, there's something very tempting about that but for some people that's not the choice the choice isn't shall i just laze around on my sofa or go to church it's will there be church that i can access at home or not at all and i hope that something churches are learning is how many people they were previously not able to minister to at all because, yes because they only had physical church um 
I think you can more easily share a link to your church service online as well with Nate. I mean, I've, I've shared it with neighbors around here who we're in contact with by text or something. I say, well, um, happy Easter. Uh, we are celebrating today here. And then I just copy and paste the link to yeah. our church service. We've had family members who've joined our, our local church um, service online on YouTube that wouldn't normally have gone to church every single week uh, and friends uh, around the neighborhood who've been able to do that. And it's interesting that when they do that, they say, oh, I didn't realize it was just lots of normal people. And I didn't realize that... Um, that you just did you, you did that because i think one of the things that stops people coming to church sometimes is that they don't know what to do they, well, they're very nervous about what to wear yeah when they go to church they don't know what what they should be putting on they won't know when to stand and they might stand or, or sit at the wrong moment they might say the wrong thing or sing the wrong notes or and actually if it's on youtube or facebook yeah. live or something like that they can see it they can see your church service and actually that might be a way of attracting them to come to the real thing. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it also, if you're watching online, you know, if you hate it, you, you can just leave after 10 minutes and no one will know. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? If you go, it's harder to it, walk out in the middle yeah, of the service. No, you, you feel like in real life. and you don't really know how long it's going to last. And, and I think that's right. I think um, it does make it that kind of first step for the person who doesn't go to church is really easy if you can just say we'll just come and watch us online first yes it's also en enables you to fast forward through the sermon if you don't like that part of the service which isn't a good thing necessarily because that's where we want real things happen i've noticed in a few places i've been watching some church services that are being put online which is brilliant yeah. great you can kind of stalk other people's churches mm. uh, without having to visit them um, and i do visit a lot of churches during the year normally so i do see quite a range of different evangelical churches in the church of england um, but now you can see a lot more. You can watch them on Zoom or uh, on YouTube, whatever. Uh, and it is interesting to see how services are put together, what we think is essential at this time, what isn't, what we're dropping, what we're, we're keeping on. And I've noticed vicars are often splitting their sermons into two. Sometimes they're making shorter sermons. Sometimes they're splitting things in half and having two sermons, sermonettes kind of thing, split in with a, a, a song in the middle or some prayers because people's attention span on videos is not as long as it would be or it's not as easy to keep as it would be in real life when they can't escape yeah if they can hit the pause button at any moment and go off and make a cup of tea or get a biscuit or go to the loo or whatever you have to try and keep their attention and that is a lot harder when it's just you on the screen than it is when they're in church so ours come out on facebook live so you can't fast forward through the sermon because it, it is being preached live but it's really really hard when you get a notification or a message come up saying, <laughs> oh i just I, I i i yeah it's really hard to focus on who sermon. would want who would want to be distracted from philip sabbat's sermons anyway i mean well, exactly. I, I want to be riveted by that at well you know, i am riveted by them but uh, yeah maybe i overestimate my ability to multitask yes. anyway um so there's i mean there's a number of things we could say there i hope that pastors are uh, thinking more about how they communicate well um i think there's a whole area around pastoral care which maybe we'll talk about in another uh, episode of the podcast but just churches having to think much more about mm. every member being involved in pastoral care of each other how we're reaching out to our communities and and serving 
uh, in those kind of ways. Um, single so people, single people who are in the yeah. church or not, that are much harder to incorporate within church family yeah. um, because they don't have four or five people at home like 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 we do uh, here. It, when you're on your own in the shed. Um, yeah. I've got I've got five people here at home, so that's an easy community for me. How do people like me care for people? Yeah, who are on their own somewhere. Yeah, so lots and lots of things to think about. And I guess in coming weeks, uh, we will have more chance to think about some of those. So we're going to be back uh, next week with the podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by George Crowder. So we're going to have, um, you'll get to, to meet a sort of regular rotating team of us who will be doing the podcast. So it won't be me and Lee every week. Um, it'll be various other people. You'll be relieved to hear. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. You might want to tune in. Yeah, when it's your favourite. So it'll be interesting to see who, who gets the most. Oh, no, let's not do that. Popularity contest or something. Uh, yeah, and if you have, as I say, ideas of things that you'd like to hear us to talk about in a future episode of the podcast, or if you have any feedback about the new format, um, uh, then do get in touch. You can leave a comment or you can email me. Thanks so much for watching and or listening. Bye-bye.